thank you for listening to this Calvary Aurora Bible study with Pastor Ed Taylor. We pray as you study through God's Word that you're blessed by God's abounding grace. Amen. Take your Bibles and open them to Isaiah chapter 28. Isaiah chapter 28 is one of the places that we will be today as we ask and answer the question, what is Calvary Aurora? What are the biblical principles that have been handed down to us from our pastors? And what does God want to do through our church individually? How does he want to work in fresh new ways? And I know walking into a church like this in 1991 was life altering for me, life changing. I can say without a doubt, everything changed when I was born again. And I didn't walk into a church because I wanted to find God. I didn't walk into a church because I thought I was bad enough for God. I mean, as bad as my life was, there was still a part of me that thought I was a good person. There was still a part, part of me that thought, you know, my buddy might need God, but, but I don't need God, even though my life was a mess, my marriage upside down, everything that I touched seemed to be destroyed, including myself. And I'm glad that God chose the path for me. Because I'm confident that, I'm confident that God could have sovereignly saved me in a whole number of churches that are in my community. He could have saved me through a Baptist church. He could have saved me through a Foursquare church, through a Nazarene church, another non-denominational church. But that's not his choice. His choice was to lead me to a church known as Calvary Chapel, a part of a larger family of churches. And he accomplished his work of salvation through this ministry. And I'm forever grateful. I'm forever grateful for his leading in my life. And I trust him of where I need to go, when I need to go, how I need to go, just like you. Coming to that place where God has led you here. You're here, even if it's just for this service, whether you call this church your home, or you're connected to us on radio or on the internet, you're here, you're within the sound of this Bible study, but even in this room, in this building, this is your church home, and you have to confidently believe that God led you here. He could have done the work in your life in a number of other places, and for some of you, he has. But for now, God has chosen this church, and because of this church, he's chosen me to shepherd your life and pastor you and teach you the Bible, something I don't take lightly in my life. And I look around the world today in our fellowship family of churches known as Calvary Chapel, and God is still at work. There's about 1,600 churches uh, that are affiliated with Calvary Chapel, and God is doing a work all around the world. He, he's doing a work through these simple principles that have been handed down to us from his word. We're a large family of churches, and families are unique and diverse and different. Just like your family and my family, we're unique and different. And yet it's good to be reminded from time to time what are the biblical principles that lead us as a church family and lead our leadership. This is the kind of Bible study as well that you can take notes. This is a good place to start taking notes because of the principles that I lay out for you one by one. And if you weren't here last time, let me catch you up to what we looked at last time in our study as we looked at the first five. Number one, we learned that the ministry belongs to God. Zechariah chapter four, verse six. It's not our might and it's not our power, but it's by his spirit, says the Lord. And so the church belongs to God. 
It doesn't belong to me. It doesn't belong to you or a group of pastors or a group of elders. God owns the church. It's his and we belong to him. Number two, we learned that God wants inspiration and not just perspiration. And that was a funny way of saying that God wants us to be led by the spirit of God and not in, the, in our flesh. He doesn't just want us active and busy all the time if we're not led by the spirit. And so we've learned and we're still learning that if God isn't in it, then we don't want to be a part of it. We need to get out of it. And he wants us to be inspired and led by him. Number three, we learned, blessed are the flexible for they shall not be broken. Proverbs chapter three, verses five and six. And by the way, the scripture previously is 2 Timothy 2.24. Blessed are the flexible for they shall not be broken. Proverbs chapter three, verses five and six. How important it is for us to learn to be flexible, both in the church life and in life in general. Because the more rigid we are, the more than when tough times come or trouble comes that we'll just snap and break. And that's not God's heart for us. God's heart for us is to be flexible and open to a fresh work of the Holy Spirit. Jesus would put it this way, that we would be new wineskins so God can pour something new into us. And we wanna remain flexible to all that God has for us. Fourthly, we learned where and when God guides, he's faithful to provide. And this has everything to do with the finances. Your finances personally and the finances of the church. If God is in it, then he's gonna provide for every need. He's gonna provide the money, the resources, the people, everything that we need as he's leading, he will provide. Even in your life, as God is leading, he will provide for you and open up doors before you. But we have to ask the question, if God is not providing, then we have to ask, is God guiding us in this area? And we have to lay it before God for him to review and confirm to us what his will is. But we've seen God's faithfulness time in and time out, even in the most difficult of situations. And number five, we left off in Mark chapter 10, verse 45, where we learned that we must be the servant of all. All of us, no matter what our role is, what our position in the church is, we have the role of servant. And we can only grow more in our servanthood, not grow less. Today, Isaiah chapter 28, verse 13 is number six. Isaiah 28, verse 13. A verse, a, a section of scripture that it originally wasn't intended to be encouraging, but it is for what they were doing. Notice Isaiah 28, verse 13. But the word of the Lord was to them, precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little. The word of the Lord was given precept upon precept, line upon line. The principle is this. Here at Calvary, we feed his sheep consistently, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, the whole counsel of God. That's how we handle the word of God here. We teach it verse by verse, chapter by chapter, and book by book. And our intent is to get through the whole counsel of God from the beginning of Genesis to the end of Revelation. And if we finish that, then we'll go back and start over. Now, to date, we are about, we are one book shy of finishing the New Testament as a church. Now, I realize not all of you have been with us for the entirety of our church life, but that's all posted up online where we go through the Bible verse by verse. And then we've made good inroads in the Old Testament, but not as fast as we would have expected. And, but we're not on any artificial timetable. We're just gonna study the Bible 
And that's what we're, you're going to do. Every week we're here, we're going to go through the Bible verse by verse. Now, of course, we're not opposed to topical messages. I'm not opposed. We're doing one right now. But for the majority of our time, we're just going to go through the Bible together, allowing God to speak to us from what he wrote, how he wrote it, in the context that he wrote it. The problem that I see today is that there are a lot of churches that are simply not feeding the flock. And there's a very important distinction to make between teaching from the Bible and teaching the Bible. Because I do appreciate many churches using the Bible. That's a good thing. Don't abandon the Bible. But usually the way it's used is to prop up some series that, you know, we got this series and this series and this series and the next January we'll, we'll repeat the series over again and, and using R-rated movies and things to make illustrations and it's, man, we don't need more of that. We need the Bible. We need the Bible to be applied in our lives and that's the commitment that we've made as a church. We want to be like your favorite restaurant, if you will. Just like a good restaurant, you go back there, why? Because you like the food. And when you're studying the Bible, God gives you an appetite for the Bible. Do you have a problem in your marriage? The Bible has an answer. Do you have an issue with your children? The Bible has an answer. Do you have unsafe friends and family? The Bible has an answer. And so we're a church where God's word is elevated, exalted, taught and preached. And you say elevated and exalted, Well, here's what the Bible says in Psalm 138, verse two. I will worship toward your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth, for you have magnified your word above all your name. God magnifies his word even above his name. And so while other fellowships may choose to go this way or that way, we're going to steady on God's word, teaching it verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book, each and every week, applying it to your lives. Number seven. Number seven is 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17. The scripture simply says, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. Here's the principle, number seven. Prayer is the backbone and the fuel of our church. Prayer is the backbone and the fuel of our church. And let me just say that our church, probably along with many others, have failed in this area on more than one occasion. We've been a prayerless church and a prayerless leadership. I've been a prayerless pastor on occasion where God will convict me. I wonder how much we've missed because we failed to pray. I wonder how much trouble we've gotten into because we simply didn't pray and ask God for his wisdom. You see, the key to walking in the spirit and accomplishing the work of God is to be in constant communication with God. The Bible says in Luke chapter 19 that Jesus went into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in it, saying to them, it is written, my house is a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. And if Jesus were to walk into our fellowship today, into our fellowship gatherings, what exactly would he drive out in order to make room so we would pray? What would he do in our homes? And what would he need to remove all of the the clutter in our lives in order to make us more prayerful people? And I think as we approach the end of the age, and I speak not in trying to to exaggerate, but only all it takes is to open up your eyes and see that the days in which we live are dark and difficult. They're they're worse than any other generation. 
the tools to, to accomplish evil today are available that were available to no other generation. Where do you see the economic things going on or the political upheaval? I mean, you scratch your head and wonder, what is going on with this crazy world? This world is upside down. Now, don't misunderstand me. The world of Jesus' day in the Roman Empire, they were crazy too for their day. The Romans putting their thumbs on people and the depravity and all of the, the things that were going on. But we didn't live in Roman times. We live, in, we live today. And what God is calling us to is more prayer. That's a work he's been doing in our church as of the last year, as a church family. We as a staff pray more. The team here prays more. I've seen a growth in my own prayer life. And, and we've even rearranged our services on Wednesday night so that we include corporate prayer, specific and precise with requests where that we know when we come, we're coming to pray, not just with the pastor, but to pray with one another. And I have to say, it's been very encouraging on Wednesday nights and also very discouraging. Let me start with the discouraging part. On Wednesday nights, we study another part of the Bible. Right now, we're in the book of 1 Kings. And we come together, very similar to what we do on the weekends. And previously, we had an extended time of worship and a little bit longer to teach a Bible study. And then the Lord changed our service. And now we have, we have worship and music in the beginning. And then we probably have some kind of missionary update or something that we're giving an update to the church where we can hear what God is doing. And then we have specific focused time of prayer where we break off in groups uh, as a church and we pray together. The discouraging part is, is that just before we were beginning to pray and the services changed, Wednesday nights was growing uh, in, a, in an accelerated pace. Like people were coming out and seeking the Lord and we were studying the Bible together and together we went through 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel and there was some significant growth happening until we started praying. And then it just dropped off. People stopped coming. Even some, they didn't stop coming but they would come super late so they could somehow skip the time of prayer and just come for Bible study. And I recognize that everybody can be on a Wednesday night and that's between you and the Lord, but it was obvious and it's noticeable. And when we started to pray, folks stopped to coming. And we just have to ask ourselves, why would we do that? Why wouldn't we press in more with all that we see? Why wouldn't we press in more to the things of God? I'm not talking about regular reasons where, you know, maybe work or something. I'm not talking about that at all. I mean, obviously, when we come together to worship, it's optional uh, in the sense of what services we come to. I'm not speaking of that at all. But I am speaking to this point, whether Wednesday night was a part of your life or not, when God is calling you to more prayer, the only response is to give God more prayer for all that's going on in our lives. We pray a lot as a church, and we can only pray more. If you, even with our commitment to pray, you came back next year, can we pray more? Yes, yes, we can. And may we match that with not only yes we can, but yes we will. Do we have a problem? Let's pray. Do we have a, a desire to step out in faith? Let's pray. Do we have a problem in our home or a difficulty? Let's pray. Are the bills coming up too big? Let's pray. Do we have a prodigal? Let's pray. Do we, do we have some vision to reach our city? Let's pray. And I know that God would want to stir us up to pray more. Jesus said it this way in Luke chapter 18, verse one. He spoke a parable to them that men ought always to pray 
and not lose heart. Jesus said in Matthew 7, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you because everyone who asks receives. And I think prayer shouldn't just be the foundation of our church, but it should be the foundation of any church because we want to be in communication with the head of the church, our God, because it's his. Number eight, Acts chapter 20, verse 28. Acts chapter 20, verse 28. These are principles in no particular order that help guide us as a church here at Calvary. Acts chapter 20, verse 28. Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Here's the principle, number eight. Healthy sheep reproduce healthy sheep. And over the years, we have learned and seen, and it's been confirmed, that when sheep are fed God's word, you naturally reach out to others. Now, sheep is a picture that the Bible uses to describe us. The picture is this, we are sheep and Jesus is our shepherd, our good shepherd. And as sheep, we're to be tended to and taken care of. That's what Psalm 23 is all about. But even in our study in John, we learn that he's the good shepherd that lays his life down for the sheep. So being described as sheep, you know, isn't the most attractive way to be described because sheep aren't the smartest animals on the farm. And they need a lot of attention and they need a lot of care and they need to be fed and paid attention to. And our good shepherd does that. And entrust to us as under shepherds and, and spiritual leaders to take care of the flock on his behalf, in, in his name. And as I mentioned earlier, one of the ways that we do that is to teach you the Bible because when you know the Bible and you're healthy, then you find yourself reaching out to others with the love that you've experienced. You see, in Ephesians chapter four, the mandate that God has given to me as a pastor is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. So our Bible studies are, are really in a sense of a time of equipping. I know some of you have come from another church and you will ask the question, where's the Sunday school here, Ed? Where's the Sunday, you know, the adult Sunday school uh, so that we can get deeper into the Bible? And I, my answer is always this, this is Sunday school. This is where we teach the Bible. This is where you don't need to go to another class in order to have Sunday school. This is it. And this is where we're teaching you through the Bible. And this is where you'll be made healthy. When the word of God speaks to a part in your life and you respond to it. When the word of God encourages you. When the word of God gives you hope. When the word of God reminds you of heaven and eternality. And when God reminds you that Jesus Christ died for you and sacrificed his life on your behalf. There's strength that comes. And I believe according to the Bible that when God's word goes out, it does not return to him empty. It accomplishes the purpose for which it's sent. That's what Isaiah chapter 55, 11 says. It will accomplish what he pleases. That's why the more that we can find ourselves in the word of God daily, devotionally, with Bible studies, you just know that God is gonna speak to you. You just know that he has a word for you. You just know, even if it's one of the most obscure passages that you've never heard before, but when it's revealed to you at the right time in the right place, it goes right to the heart of the matter in your life. Why? Because the Bible teaches us that we have been given all things pertaining to life and godliness according to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. We've been given all things. All things that we need have been given to us 
through the knowledge of Jesus Christ. So we teach you the word. We want you to know the word and become familiar with your Bibles. That's one of the reasons why some of you have asked, why don't you put the scriptures up on the screen so I can follow along? And I'll tell you why. Because we don't want you watching the screen for the scriptures. We want you opening your own Bible. We want you to have a Bible. You need a Bible. Now, I know that technology is great, and, and, and I use technology. I have the Bible on my iPad, on my phone, but you know batteries run out, or this just happened right now again, and it happened first service. I was looking at my notes, and right when I turned away, my iPad crashed. And now I'm like, where are my notes? Now, I happen to have a backup of good old paper that never crashes right here if I need it. But let me tell you, the principle is still true. Believe me, I'm not, going, I'm, not, I'm not speaking down on technology. I love technology. And, and I love you. Get in the Bible any way you can. Use your phone if you need. Use whatever. But there's something about the Word of God. There's something about the printed Word of God. You know, when the Jewish, when the Jewish scribes would copy the Word of God letter by letter, they were so meticulous and so prayerful that if they would go through and they're you know, doing the scroll of Isaiah... And they're writing through on one big scroll. If they got all the way to chapter 66 and made a mistake, they would destroy the whole thing and start over. They so revered the word of God. And the only way you're going to be healthy is through learning God's word and applying it to your life. And we believe that things happen naturally when we're mature and growing and healthy. Notice I said that healthy sheep reproduce. I didn't say perfect sheep reproduce because we're not perfect we'll never attain to where we got it all in order and we're doing everything that we think we should be doing there's always room for growth in our lives but when God gets a hold of your heart you're just going to want to tell someone when God gives you a victory through his word you're going to want to share that victory knowing Jesus and making him known will be a part of your heart and your desire it'll be so much more than inviting somebody to a church it'll be more along the lines of inviting someone to hear the word of God and, and that is where our emphasis must be. We don't want to teach you to depend upon us. And we don't want to teach you to depend upon any man for your daily relationship with God. He alone is our sufficiency. And his word is sufficient to answer all of our heart's needs and desires. That's a very important principle for us. Number nine. Number nine. John chapter four, verse 24. John chapter four, verse 24. Here's the scripture. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Here's the principle, number nine. Passionate, heartfelt worship is essential. And I am referring to worship in song. Songs are important. Music is so powerful. Music's powerful. It helps you to remember. It helps you to remember something it stirs the emotions. It, it opens us up to someone and to something. The devil knows the music's powerful. And that's why he uses the music industry to get a lot of messages across that do not honor God. And you have to understand, there are a lot of songs in your head that you wish weren't there from when you were growing up. I mean, I, would, I can't get away with it. I can't get away from it. I just went last night after service to go grab uh, Maria a Mother's Day card and walking into King Supers, man, it's like the 80s have taken over and will not leave. 
And it was some 80s song and I, perp- I just real quickly kept walking. I acknowledged it and I just kept walking because I know if I listen to that song carefully, it's gonna take me back to a time and a place I don't wanna go back to. I don't wanna go back to because that was the, 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 the 80s music was the soundtrack of my sinful life. All the genres. I mean, that's all it was on of everything, everywhere we went. It was all, it was the soundtrack of sin. And there are still soundtracks of sin today. And I know we get to that place where we go, oh, and we used to tell our parents, they'd tell us, don't listen to that song. You go, oh, no, mom, no, no, you don't understand. I, ju- I just like the music. I'm not, I don't know the words. But I tell you, if I played a couple bars for you right now, all the words would come back. Because that's what music does. Music opens our heart and softens us. It breaks down barriers and also opens up for us to have the word of God deposited into us. Even as we sing today. As we sing, as the deer panted for the water, we're singing a psalm from the Bible put to music many years ago. Worship's important to us here. Worship and song. You're worshiping now. You're listening to a Bible study. You're worshiping when you read the Bible. Worship encompasses many things. You worship when you give of your tithes and offerings. What I'm referring to is singing. And when we have our time of music and worship and song, we're not just filling time. We're not just filling time so we can have, well, you know, we've got, we got 90 minutes, so how are we going to do it? We're going to teach this long. We're going to sing this long. We're gonna, we don't do that. Uh, we do kind of look at the time constraints that we have, but, but we don't do that. If, if Pastor Ian is led to, to sing another song, then, then he needs the freedom to sing a song. He feels, senses like the Holy Spirit wants to take us in a new direction, then, then you trust Pastor Ian. I trust Pastor Ian as a part of this church that he's going to hear from the Lord and he's going to lead us where we need to go in song. And as we're singing, man, this, I know for some of you, this is the only time during the week that you sing anything to God. Or you're in an environment where anyone's saying anything good about God and you need this time. We are to be singing publicly, openly, and verbally declaring to God the goodness and his worthiness. We worship God because he's worthy of worship. And I think from the very beginning of time, every follower of God, uh, we aren't told this in the scripture, but I'm pretty confident that Adam and Eve sang in the Garden of Eden. They sing a new song. We don't have anything recorded, but they, they were enjoyed. The Bible says they had such intimacy with God that they're described as walking with God in the cool of the garden. And of course, we know from the history of the church that the church has sung to God from its beginning. Jesus himself would sing the Psalms when he was headed. They, the Jews would sing the Psalms and Jesus, it says in the scripture, sang a hymn. Singing so important. And I know that it's difficult at times. We, we might be a little too self-conscious. We might be caring too much about what people think. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, you're not singing to the person next to you. You're singing to God. And it doesn't matter what your voice sounds like. There's always somebody that has a voice a little bit less than yours. Don't worry about it. You could be standing next to me and you're like, who is that? Oh, oh that's Ed. Oh, man. Yeah. I don't have the best singing voice, but I love the Lord. And man, I, I want to be in a mode of singing. But I know there are times when you come and you don't want to sing. You've got a heavy heart. Well, it's good to be in the environment where other people are singing so that God can lift the spirits. And you can come into a room and know you're not alone in this world. You're not going at it alone. Singing is a time to humble ourselves and adore him in all his splendor. The Bible says in Psalm 96 verse 4, For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. He's to be feared above all gods. 
Psalm 50 verse 23 says, whoever offers praise glorifies me and to him who orders his conduct aright, I will show the salvation of God. And so we sing a variety of different songs written by a variety of different believers from a variety of different backgrounds and genres. And I love how it's mixed up. Sometimes we'll sing an old hymn. Sometimes we'll sing a song that just came out on a CD that Pastor Ian heard. And sometimes we'll sing a song that somebody brought to us from another church. And it's beautiful and it's wonderful. Old and new. Theologically accurate. Stirring us up so that when we learn the words, the words bring us to the Lord. So worship's important to us. And we spend a lot. Sometimes we even have worship nights where we just wait on the Lord. We'll have groups come in and lead us in worship guests so we can have it a different way or a variety of different worship leaders it's a good thing to worship the Lord and we want to train you to do that because the world has its own soundtrack and it has its own music and how careful we need to be because we keep hearing that message you got to understand it's going to affect you if that's true in the world then how much more true is it with the things of the Lord the more you hear the message of love and goodness and mercy it's going to affect you in a very wonderful way Finally for today, number 10 is James chapter 4, verse 7. James chapter 4, verse 7. And here's the scripture. Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Here's the principle. Number 10. We are to be submissive and unconditionally loyal to God. And we continue to learn this lesson. Learning to be submissive to God to resist the devil and submit to God and his will for our lives. But it also has an outgrowth within the church family and that's this, when we learn to be submissive to God, then we're also learning to be loyally supportive of those he's given to us as leaders. That he's given us pastors and leaders to lead us and guide us and teach us. And as our pastors and lead us in the ways of the Lord, then we're to be submissive to them and not divisive. Here at Calvary, we are a pastor-led church. Our leadership structure is both simple and biblical. We're a pastor-led church supported by pastors and elders, and all of the leaders are responsible to God for the ministries that they oversee. They're responsible to be faithful to the Lord and to be faithful to the calling of God in their life. And as God has put them in our church, it's important in the ministry that we learn how to support those that God has put in our life. Or another way I put it is where there's godly leadership, there's to be godly submission. And nowhere in the Bible does does the Bible say within the church to support or uplift ungodly leadership. But when there's godly leadership, the response in our lives is to support them and not cause division and not cause strife. Listen to this, what the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16. It says, these six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift in running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and the last one he says, and one who sows discord among the brethren. One that creates division in the church. In this church, in the church, you know, in this church, that church, or the church at large, it is never God's will for us to cause division. And for sure, this is an attack of the enemy to destroy lives and to destroy churches by sowing seeds of discord and division. Why? Because the devil knows what Jesus said. And Jesus said it this way. 
Every kingdom divided against itself, this is Luke eleven seventeen. every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation and a house divided against a house falls. And so it's never good to cause division. It's never good to spread rumors or accusations ever, never, ever. As our eyes are on Jesus, we learn to live submissively to him and we can trust those that God has given us to oversee the flock. Let me add this in the context of church. Again, for the sake of our fellowship family, but I think it's healthy for the body of Christ. If you have difficulties in the church that you are a part of, your fellowship family, God has given us a biblical model to follow in order to solve our problems. It's in Matthew chapter 18. So if your brother sinned against you, you go to him, you and him alone, and you try to work it out. And if he hears you, you've won your brother. That's Jesus. On personal issues, that's how we're to solve them. And then there's other steps if that's not possible to solve your problems. Other leaders in the church get involved up and into the elders of the church, which would include me. And I would say that if you have a problem, and if you haven't had a problem in your local church yet, uh, you just haven't been there long enough. It just happens. People are there, problems arise, mistakes happen, offenses happen. You know, we have to be careful, but they do, it happens. But if you have a problem that you can't just seem, you can't just, you, you seem just can't get over, and it just burns you up. You might be here right now, and you're just so burned up. Can't believe I'm here. I don't want to be here. You know, they did this, and they won't solve that, and that, and, and, and you have talked to your leader, and it didn't work, and you talked to another leader, and it didn't work, and, and even me. Over the years, I've invested hours and hours and hours of my life trying to solve people's dilemmas uh, within our fellowship family, trying to walk us down the path and whether it needs, whether we need to ask for forgiveness or we need to change something or whatever it might, you might need to change something the problem might be with, but man, you, you wrestle with trying to solve things and I'm not even able to solve it for you. It's not healthy for you to be in a church where you're not fruitful. It's not healthy for you to be in a church where you don't trust the leaders. It's not healthy for you to be in a church where you're just burning up inside and upset and mad all the time. It may be the Lord's moving you on. It may be that the Lord's saying, you gotta, I mean, I'm just telling you from me to you, you're most beneficial in a church where you love the worship and you love the teaching and you love everything and you're just serving the Lord with all your heart, soul, and mind. With all that's going on in the world today, that's where we need to be. But you have to understand if God's brought you here and, and God, this is your church family and you are facing conflict, there is resolution. There is. There is resolution. We may not be there yet, but there is resolution and God, that's what he desires. He doesn't want us being in the flesh. He doesn't want us being upset. And he certainly doesn't want our, ups, our flesh and the anger that arises in us. He doesn't want us to be causing division. And let me tell you something. I've watched the church now for almost 18 years. And social media has really wrecked people. And one way I've seen social media wreck people is that for some reason, social media has taken away a level of self-control in believers' lives. And they just immediately go on and post all their opinions and post all their thoughts and I can't believe this and I can't believe that and I challenge you, find me in the scriptures where it says that's okay. Find me anywhere in the Bible that it says, get everybody on the bandwagon, 
and cause division, and it doesn't even have to be the church. I mean, we're talking about the church right now, but I've seen things tearing down family members. I've seen things, you know, maybe a waitress made a, made a mistake at the restaurant and somebody just blasting that waitress. Is that the name? Is that the love of God? Is that the love of God? Yes or no? I don't think it is. And it's done something to us where division and gossip and accusations seem to be so easy now. And you forget there's a person on the other side that Jesus loves and died for. And we have to be careful. Issues are definitely among us, but God has given us a way to solve them. To love one another. To extend love to one another. To be careful that we don't come on the other side of whatever it means when God says he hates those that sow seeds of discord. God wants to settle that thing in your heart so you can bear fruit for the kingdom. And that's where James comes in. He says, therefore, well, he tells us, therefore, submit to God. And then Peter tells us in 1 Peter 5, verse 6, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he might exalt you in due time. And so we really do spend a lot of time trying to resolve things, trying to get things back on track so that the Lord would be able to pour out his blessings upon any. And, and it's not, you know, as we're talking about these things, this is relevant to our church right now, but there isn't a pastor listening in right now that doesn't understand this. He knows. Because every church is filled with human beings just like you and me. And one more thing. If, if what I just shared with you kind of burned up, you go, yeah, I'm mad, I'm upset, and I'm going to take off. If that's you, let me just warn you. If you leave your church with anger and unresolved fleshly issues, and you leave them unresolved, you take them with you to the next church. You can't just stuff them. Because you're going to look back and go, well, I'm so much, that last church I came from, oh, so much better now. Everything's great. This church is nothing like the last church. But over time, what's up in your heart and up in that, it's going to come out. And it's going to defile all your brand new friends and your brand new church. That's why to whether you stay or go, you've got to resolve it. Because the Bible says that bitterness, when it takes root in our hearts, it defiles many. And so for the sake of the body and the sake of the testimony of Jesus Christ on the earth today, we would do well to humble ourselves before God and let him work a work in our hearts. And not forget that we're in any church that we're in, we're here in Calvary for God to disciple us and to grow us so that we can mature and grow up in the things of God to help others along the path. So God, I thank you for the word that you've shared with us today and, and some of the things that help guide us as a church. And just even touching on some of the more difficult things, you know, when there's friction and difficulties in any church family. I, I pray for our church, Lord. We've seen our fair share of difficulties. And I've even uh, seen my fair share of mistakes, Lord, that I've made personally. And I'm grateful for your grace and for your mercy. And even as we think about my friend Bob, after 13 years, a family situation was reconciled. One that was absolutely impossible for man to solve. You solved in a matter of moments. And that's our hope, God, that you would intervene, that you would, that you would be so, we would be so close to you that we could follow you, be led by your spirit, hear your still small voice. And lead us as we learn the principles of our church family. Lead us as we look to you for direction and guidance. 
Lead us as we, as we do what we've been called to do, Lord. Love you with all our heart, soul, and minds and love our neighbor as ourselves. We submit to you today, Lord. May you be, may you be the God of today just as you were the God of yesterday. And if you give us tomorrow, you'll be our God tomorrow. In Jesus' name, amen. We pray that you've been touched by this study from Calvary Aurora. For prayer or a copy of this study, call area code 303-628-7200. Be blessed this week in the Lord.